Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Jillian Rudis to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. So Jillian, um, nice to meet you today. And, and if you don't mind, go ahead and give us a little bit of background about your time in the library. Oh, hi, Laura. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Um, so this actually all started when I was 19, I started working in a bookstore and I worked at the bookstore while I was an undergrad and graduate school at Stony Brook University, where I got my BA and my MA in English. Okay. And then I got my teaching certification and started teaching English. And I really loved the job. But in 2008, you know, there was that recession that kind of killed teaching jobs. So I did lose my job. And I was like, oh, no, I need a backup plan. What am I going to do? No one's hiring. So I was like, maybe when I retire from teaching English, I'll become a public librarian because I missed being in the, in the bookstore and yeah. getting a second master's degree will also like bump my salary. So I applied to go to Queens College to get my master's in library science. And like the first night, that first class, I fell in love. And like, you think you're in love with your job until like you really find a thing that connects with you. And I was like, being a librarian was just like my, my dream. I didn't even realize it. So I immediately was never going to be an English teacher again. I wanted to be a librarian. I went through that program in just two semesters. So I took oh like <laughs> seven classes each semester with like a billion hours of field work and observation hours. Cause I was determined just to like take that year and then start looking for work again. So luckily in the May of my graduating semester I got hired at a private school in Manhattan. Perfect. And what was awesome about the private school was they had never had a librarian before. So they had like a bare bones library space, no books, no program, no curriculum, nothing. And I was really excited about that as a new librarian because I just came out of grad school, yeah. all super pumped about everything. And being able to just start fresh was really cool. And I was there for about four years because I loved working there. But the New York City Department of Education was on a hiring freeze. Oh, no. So I really had nowhere else to work but the private school. So when New York City opened up, and the freeze was done. I applied to a bunch of schools. I interviewed at all those schools and I got hired by all those schools. So I was lucky enough to be able to pick okay. the place that I got to work. And I picked the school that I currently work at, which is a sixth through 12th grade public school in Queens in New York City. Okay. And I've been there for eight years. Awesome. I love it. I just want to ask a clarifying question. Did you say you took seven classes each semester? Yes. Oh, <laughs> You really wanted to get out. <laughs> no, but that, I mean, that just shows your determination and your, I mean, wow, that, that's amazing. That it's amazing. You had that in you, you know, to, to survive that. So that, cause I know that had to be very, very intense. So kudos. It was intense, but I was, I was so into it, Laura. When I tell you, I was like, so pumped. I was so pumped to become yeah. a librarian. That's it was like all the best of teaching English, but like I didn't have the great essays anymore. Yeah. And then it was all the best things about working in the bookstore. It was pretty perfect. That's awesome. Very neat. Okay. All right. So thinking back, um, you know, you had your private school time and then your public school time. Um, you had some varied experiences there. So what would be some advice that you would send to your younger self? So I started both of those libraries 
from scratch. There was no librarian there before me. There was no program, no curriculum, nothing. So I definitely liked to do all of the things right away. I just wanted to come in and make the library perfect. That's not really something that you could do in those first couple of years. You kind of have to build. So I wish that my older self now could go talk to my younger self and be like, just pick like the few things that you need right. to do first. Yeah. yeah. And I think it would be really just thinking about how, what I envision for that library space for the school community. So thinking about that vision mm -hmm. and then taking the steps to make that vision come true. So thinking about open access, because at my school, I have an open schedule. I can really just do whatever I want to do. Okay. So I would say, think about open access. How do you want to get kids in there? What are the, like, do I have to rearrange the book collection? What books do I need to buy? What are my circulation procedures? What are my rules and my norms for kids? Mm -hmm. Just like setting up that basic community, that basic foundation. And then maybe the next year, start thinking about collaboration and programs and meeting with teachers, introducing yourself to teachers, going to teacher meetings, maybe starting a book fair, maybe trying to host an author visit, but like slowly build because now eight years later, I have this program, but it took me eight years to, to get there. To reach that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's really good. And I'm just thinking, you know, if you took seven hours, I mean, not seven hours, seven classes in grad school each semester, I, I bet you did go into the library thinking I'm going to do all this stuff. Yes, <laughs> so all the things. things. Yes, all the things. That, that's awesome. Okay. And you mentioned the areas like to start focusing on. Um, and taking it slowly and building up. Mm -hmm. So that, that's just very, very practical advice. So let's talk about this now. Um, year eight, we're at your public school setting. Um, what, what are some tips and strategies that you've used this year that have really made this particular year be an awesome year? Uh, to stop trying to do all of the things. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> to find to find a balance, really, because if I'm balanced, then the work that I could do for the school community feels balanced. And if I'm trying to do, you know, before the pandemic, I was trying to do events every month and collaborate constantly. And then I was teaching more than I was having open access. And then the kids couldn't get into the space. And yeah. it, it was just too much. It was a lot. And then when the pandemic started, I was still trying to do all of the things on top of having to pick up for teachers. Right. You know, I had to teach some regular class. I say regular classes. I had to teach some other classes, research classes and social studies classes on top of the library. So I really realized that the pandemic helped me to see what I can do so that I can maintain like a healthy balance between yeah. life and work and not just work all the time. So less is more. And I decided this year that I wanted to focus on uh, long-term case studies. We, I'm at an expeditionary learning school, so we do case studies and learning expeditions, but it's really like a unit of study. Okay. And I'd rather embed myself into a unit of study so that I meet with kids throughout the course of the project a couple of times. So the skills that they learn in the library can be built upon, scaffolded, mm -hmm. so they actually really see the value of the library program Back, back pre-pandemic, I was teaching like 10th grade art one day and then 11th grade science the next day and then 6th grade social studies the next day. And it's just like I was all over the place and there was nothing that was really deep and meaningful. So attaching this year to these case studies 
really allow the teachers and the team and the kids to see the value of the library program. And then my work is more meaningful. That's true. Rather than like, you know, all over the place. Yeah. I mean, and you hear that phrase embedded librarianship. And that to me, that's kind of what you're just describing. Um, and I, I can remember a few weeks ago uh, talking to a, a media specialist from New York and her, her school was different school within a school. I don't remember the, the right way she phrased it. A campus. A campus. Okay. So describe yeah, she has three campus. schools in her building, right? Yeah. And what about you? What is your school like? We're just one school that my library is attached to. So we do have two schools in the same building, but there's two separate libraries. Oh, so I'm just the librarian in my library for my sixth through 12th grade school. Okay. And the other librarian, her library is right on top of mine, exactly identical, but she is the librarian just for the high school. It's nine through 12 attached. Okay. All right. And so y'all have, what are your different focuses? Um, they're just like a regular public school and we're an expeditionary learning school. Okay. And so to define what that means for the listeners. <laughs> uh, so expeditionary learning allows students to dive deeply into a topic. Okay. And do some field work, actually go out into the community and learn more about that topic to meet with experts and really get to connect more deeply with the topic. So it's all about rather than covering the whole U.S. history, they take specific topics and see how it impacts all the different content areas. So if they're focusing on one topic in ninth grade, they're focusing on that topic through a math lens, through a science lens, through a social studies lens, so they can see the connection. It's really amazing. Yeah. So with uh, just with your collection, sorry, I'm going off the cuff here, but like with your collection then, is your like history section, for example, really large or... Well, my nonfiction section isn't, I mean, it is a huge area, but we don't really use the books that much. A lot of the resources we use are all digital. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I I only have about, I have 900 students in my school and about 10,000 books. So I don't know if that's a lot or not. Yeah. Just just depends. And you're right, because so many resources are online, um, especially Mm -hmm. in the nonfiction area. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Jillian, you you caught my eye um, um, online. (laughs) seeing your name online and just different things that um, that you are involved in. And I I know that you're a super, super busy person, Um, but let's talk a little bit about um, some of the things that really capture um, the most amount of your time. I was thinking about this the other day and I I actually made a list because I wanted to share just to give some context to what's happening in my, my world. And so not only am I a school librarian in Queens, Um, I'm also the president for the New York City School Librarians Association. I'm the Japanese culture and manga special collections librarian for New York City. I just served as the conference co-chair for the AASL National Conference. (laughs) I currently serve on the ALA Annual Conference Planning Committee. I also founded Manga in Libraries, which is the international webinar series for professional development. Oh my gosh. And I serve on the ALA Graphic Novels and Comics Roundtable Online Program Planning Committee. (laughs) How do I do all of this? I don't don't know. know. (laughs) I don't think I sleep. (laughs) It kind of ties back to your grad school days. You you did it all. (laughs) Right? See, like, this is my problem. I try to do all of the things and I really need. So I've actually sat down the past couple of days to balance out the outside of school work that I do because it is a lot. 
And it all kind of culminated this fall Mm -hmm. and just being back in the building with all of these other professional responsibilities. I realized that I need to find a better balance, not just with my job and life, but with the other professional responsibilities in life. Yeah. I don't know if you do, do you do the one word? Have you ever heard that? I'm not, I'm probably not saying that correctly, but like at the, for new years, when people will choose their one word for the coming year, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you said the word balance several times. I'm thinking your word is balance. You know, that's I like your that. word for the coming, the coming year. So yeah, I think that should be my word, but I guess like my main thing, I don't want to say it's manga. I know I've done a lot with manga and I do a lot with manga, but I think the main thing that is that I'm most excited to talk about would be collaboration. Okay. And I know we're like, Oh, of course, librarians collaborate, but I love collaborating with people. And that comes through like during the pandemic, I did a lot of virtual programs where I invited experts to zoom in with the kids, the manga and libraries webinar series. I collaborate with experts every month. Mm -hmm. And just in my school, I like can't stop collaborating. I, I collaborate so much and I get so excited that I'm actually having to turn teachers away, which is like wow, a surprising problem to have, yeah. like the amount of teachers that I have to reject so I can, you know, but I'm trying, like I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to embed myself more into case studies. So right now I'm connected to a big project in eighth grade and we're kicking off a new project in sixth grade on Monday. Okay. And I did want to share a little bit about that project yes. that we're starting. Is that okay? We'd love to hear about it. Yeah. So I had heard from city council that the public library branch across the street from our school is it's in dire need of a renovation, like a hundred percent. It's a million years old. And they reached out to me because they were curious to know how our school community uses the public library. And if we had anybody that could be a voice to help get the funds to renovate, Hmm. I'm like, Oh, you asked the right person (laughs) because not only will I give you some, you know, information, but we now turned this into entire three week long sixth grade case study with every content participating because our goal is to get that money for that library. So in ELA, they're going to be learning about the value of public libraries in the community. And they're going to be looking at some uh, renovations that happened to some public libraries in our community. Then they're actually gonna go visit the library talk to the librarians, see the space. They're also in math. They're going to collect some data from the school. So like who uses the library, why they use it, why they don't use it, what they would like there. And then they're going to assess that data and use that as evidence in their argument. Love it. And then in social studies, they're going to learn about uh, city council, the role of city council. We actually have a woman coming in from city council to meet with the kids to talk about her job and And then also the head librarian of the Queens Public Library is coming in to meet with the students so they can ask him questions. Mm. So there's a lot of field work and experts and thinking and exploring. And then the bonus in January, they're actually going to be able, some of the students will be able to attend the city council meeting and share out everything that they've learned and gathered and synthesized to help actually advocate for the renovations. Maybe we'll get it. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, from what you're, how you're describing that, I think of project-based learning, you know, that that's kind mm-hmm. of it in a nutshell, but wow, this is like a legitimate, a legitimate community project that these kids are involved in. That's amazing. It's not a made up one, you know, right. but, but. Mm-hmm. we're always talking about authentic learning. Yes. Right. And I 
feel like when they reached out to me, I was like, I think you asked, they probably just wanted like a little bit, some blurbs, some quotes. I'm like, did you, do you know who you asked? Because this is about to happen. 900 kids are about to help you solve this. That is amazing. And that alone should really get the attention, I would think, of the stakeholders, whoever they're presenting to, you know, at the city council, but Mm -hmm. um, just to have the voice of, and and do your kids live right around you or do they, you know, bus over or something or? So so in New York, yeah, so for New York City, if you're in middle school, so sixth through eighth grade, you're usually within your district, you have to live in the area. But for high school, you're allowed to choose the school that you want to go to anywhere across New York City. So the sixth graders are the ones that are focusing on this community because that's their library. It's their own library. How perfect. Mm-hmm. That, I love that. That is, that's really, really neat. Um, so, so Jillian, collaboration obviously is a huge thing for you um, at the school and I understand that that there's even um, an award um, that you won that you like to share about. Yeah, so AASL has the Collaborative School Library Award that they offer every year. And f- quote, for exemplary uh, collaboration and partnerships between school librarians and classroom teachers. And I actually won this award in 2020 for a project I have I've did with the entire ninth grade called the Zine Project. And that was another, you know, how I embedded myself over a period of time. So this project was actually 10 weeks long, but it wasn't like every day for 10 weeks. It was every Friday and then a couple of other days sprinkled in. And it mostly came out of their English class. So basically what the project was, every ninth grade teacher uh, looked at the issues that the students were passionate about and designed a day of service so that the students could actually go out into the community and help to solve the issue that they were passionate about. Wow. So once the students got to go out into the field and learn more about the issue, they then came back into the library and started to do some research about the issue. What is the issue? Who is it impacting? What are solutions? Are there any solutions now? What are they? And then what are some other solutions that we can help to to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And then students again went back out into the field with their new solutions in mind to help, you know, further that work. Yeah. But they created zines. And because our school, one of our core values is advocacy, the zines are usually used in communities to advocate for, you know, change. So we use that as a format, an authentic format. Students created zines, we share them out with the community about their social issue. And it was really exciting to just see the kids crafting with their research. So they're using technology to research, but then they're doing some DIY crafting. And I had received a grant to get some of those crafting materials. So we had like Sharpies and stickers and stencils and washi tape and all this different kinds of paper and scissors. And the kids were so into it and they made these beautiful projects. And I actually wrote an article for Knowledge Quest that outlines the 10 weeks. So if anybody's interested in looking more deeply at the project, they can look at that find that article. Okay. And Jillian, we will link that in the show notes. So what, um, like, what is the title of it or something that will help you find it? I think it's Knowledge Quest 2020. I forget which issue it was, but it's just called the Zine Project. The Zine Project. Okay. So we will link to the Zine Project article um, in the show notes. So listeners, if you'll go to lauraschinnaman.com in the blog and find Jillian's uh, interview, then we'll have the show notes there for you to be able to click and to follow up on that. So Jillian, you're in the perfect situation or position um, that's letting you be embedded like that. So when you think about like this project coming up with the sixth graders, like what will be your role? Like what will you do across time with that? 
So I actually sat down with the sixth grade ELA teachers today and we planned a kickoff. So anytime we start a new case study or a new unit of study, we have like the one day where it's like, ooh, what are we going to be learning for the next few weeks? So we give them mystery texts and mystery images. So I had gone online today and I was looking for pictures of libraries that had been destroyed by the recent hurricane. Okay. So they can see, you know, what happens to our public libraries. And then they would think about how this impacted the community. I also found some images about uh, libraries that were closed during the pandemic. So they can actually see how that impacted the community. Yeah. And we also found some pictures of libraries before and after renovations in New York City. So we'll have all these images around the library and students will come in, they'll walk around, they'll do the gallery walk, they'll try to make observations about what they think they'll be learning about. And then we'll kick it off and tell them, you know, we're taking care of our library across the street and we want to raise money. So we want to get funding to get it renovated. And then the next day, they're going to do some deeper thinking about the value of libraries, the importance of libraries, why they're essential, so that they can build their background knowledge about this community resource. And then it moves into their math class. They're going to start to think about the questions that they need to ask their community about why we need to renovate this library. So I'll help the uh, math teacher with those questions in that lesson. So I will be like jumping to all of their classrooms, okay. like social studies. I'm helping them in social studies with the lesson about the city council and then the interview, teaching kids how to ask interview questions, mm -hmm. how to take notes during an interview. So those are all the different pieces in the library skills that are like secretly embedded into all these, right? Like looking at data, yeah. organizing data, finding evidence, asking questions, getting information, being observant. Mm -hmm. So those are the skills that we need to teach kind of like how, you know, you sneak vegetables. Now they're making like, <laughs> like food for kids that like they sneak vegetables in. So they don't know they're eating the vegetables. I feel like that's what I do with library skills. I embed them. So it's not like we're going to the library for a lesson. It's like, it's just how we learn. It's just mm -hmm. embedded. Mm -hmm. So even like, I know during the pandemic, a lot of people became a library on wheels, you know, where they were wheeling into the classrooms, but it sounds like you were even visiting classrooms before the pandemic. Is this just part of like your, I don't know if routine's the right word, but just your practice, you know, that you visit classrooms like that? It really just depends on where the materials are or what the needs are or what spaces are being used because we're kind of a small building and we have a, a lot of children. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our classrooms are multi, you know, used for lots of things. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the library is used for other things and it's just easier to go into the classroom. And I don't have a full set of laptops. So sometimes we need the classroom laptops. Yeah. yeah. So you, you are in a very specialized school, you know, that mm -hmm. allows you to, be, to embed yourself into these ongoing projects. And, you know, they're, they're already kind of set up. I'm going to say set up you know, by these grade levels, you, they know that they're going to be doing that. But what, what, how would you advise someone who's thinking, this sounds really cool. I wish I could try something like that, you know, at my school. Like how, how could they get started if they're mm -hmm. not set up as an expeditionary learning campus like yours? Yeah. So I think I remember when I was talking to people about the zine project and they got very overwhelmed by the idea that I was able to teach the whole ninth grade, you know, every Friday yeah. Like, well, what if you have more than one teacher that teaches each content? Because at my school, we just have one teacher per content. So if I wanted to collaborate with the 10th grade English teacher, it's just the one person. Okay. So my advice would be you don't have to collaborate with 
the whole grade, find that one teacher. So even if there's five 10th grade English teachers, just find the one English teacher that you want to work with. And maybe it's like how I started off, you know, years ago with coming in for one lesson or two lessons or being a part of like an independent reading project or helping them with their research. And then you just start to develop these relationships. And then the collaboration just starts coming to you. And every Wednesday we have a team meeting. So I rotate out of the team meetings every week. So I can see what the eighth grade is learning. So I could see what the 12th grade is learning. And then I kind of pop in, oh, you're doing this project or this lesson. Here's a resource that I have. Do you need help accessing this resource? Do you need help teaching students how to use this resource? And just showing teachers how helpful you can be and how much easier you can make their job. Because I think sometimes teachers think, oh, collaborating with another person and then that's like extra work, extra planning. But if I'm helping to write the lesson plan or I'm helping to make the slides or I'm bringing the tech or I'm bringing the resource, they don't really need anything other than their content and, you know, helping with classroom management because I don't know all 900 kids, (laughs) but showing that it's like a partnership. I'm here to help you. It's not actually more work. And then they get so excited about that, that next project or next year, they want you back and they want that help. And they just see you as like, somebody's here to help me navigate this, you know, stressful world that is teaching. Yeah. And that's what we have to be like coming in as I'm here to help you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it really is a service industry, you know, where we are there to serve and um, you got to have that mindset um, because it's going to help you help you deal with problems. (laughs) I'll say Mm -hmm. problems um, better because you know, you're there to serve. So, you know, there's going to be things, you know, to work through and, you know, issues to, to deal with, but but it's worth it. You know, it's all, all good. And and I I believe that teachers don't know they need us until they, we tell them that they need us or we show them. I'm not going to say tell, because it's, it's, it's all about showing that they need the library. And then they realize like, I had this resource all along and now I know how helpful it is and I'm going to continue to utilize this resource. Yeah. So it's just really just being proactive and yeah, you're right. Advocating for the library. Yeah. And I've shared this story before, but um, when I was a teacher, my last teaching job was an elementary school that was, had a, had a library, but it was run by a paraprofessional who was an awesome, sweet lady um, and she just, you know, did library how she had always known. And, and I didn't know any different, you know, um, because that had been the world where I taught in. But then when I went to library school, you know, and I realized, oh, my gosh, you know, if I had a real certified librarian who was trained and, you know, knew what they were doing, I could be doing all kinds of amazing things, you know, with this person. And that's kind of the mindset that I took in, you know, when I became a librarian is, is what you were just saying, helping them realize what they're missing out on you know, or mm-hmm. what these opportunities are because they don't, they don't know, you know, they've never seen anything different. So it's just a great opportunity to be able to share that, you know, with, with people. So I think my favorite thing is when teachers who have taught at a different school that didn't have a librarian come to our school and they just like, are just completely amazed. It's like, oh my God, what my kids missed out on and their old yeah. school not having access to a library or a librarian. I'm like, yes, see, spread the word. Yes, Libraries are so important. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. So Jillian, it's been awesome talking to you and, and you've, you've got so much on your plate. You know, you're involved in so many, many things. 
Um, but let's talk a little bit real quick about like, how do you, how do you feed yourself? You know, what do you do to, <laughs> to and, and I don't mean physical food, but, you know, but like mm-hmm. professionally, you know, how do you keep learning and growing? Uh, I love to attend conferences and I actually just, I know we can't see this because it's a podcast, but I actually just organized all of the lanyards and stuff oh, from okay. all of the conference I've attended. And it's just now like beautiful art hanging on my wall. Nice. It's so colorful and fun, but I love to go to conferences and not just because of the content and the new innovative ideas, but I love meeting with other librarians or other people that are passionate about the things I'm passionate about and talking and learning and questioning and exploring together. So I love to go to ALA. I actually didn't like to go to ALA when I first became a librarian because I couldn't find the other school librarians. Mm -hmm. It is harder. It's so much harder, right? But then I went to my first AASL and I was like, what? Thousands of school librarians all in one space. This is amazing because I'm all alone, you know, in my library. (laughs) So AASL, and then the more time I spent at AASL and got to meet librarians from across the country. Now, when I go to ALA, I know who the school librarians are because we've connected through AASL. And I also like to go to New York Comic Con. Because okay. I love, you know, pop culture and graphic novels and comics and fantasy and manga. Yeah. So, yeah, um, a few podcasts ago, I interviewed a, a librarian from San Antonio and she basically started her own um, within the school district. You know, she's just having one focused on the kids. And it was really fun hearing how she tied it in with, you know, like the English language arts curriculum, mm-hmm. you know, and the different things. So maybe that will be a next step for you sometime. <laughs> I, I actually do host Comic-Con at my school oh, every okay. year, but. I didn't do it last year because we were closed. And this year, I'm just a little worried about programming right now. So there's some logistics we have to figure out before I bring, you know, 200 kids into the library again. Very true. But yeah, the kids, I'm sure, are missing out on it. They keep asking me when it's going to happen. I'm like, I'm not sure. (laughs) Soon. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember earlier on, um, you mentioned the the Manga in Libraries webinar series. So tell us a little bit about that. With all the communities going online, I was like, you know what, maybe I need to start something online that everybody can access. So last April, I started Manga in Libraries. Okay. So I host a webinar every month that is pre-recorded, but then live streamed so that participants can actually engage in the conversation as well. Okay. And I provide professional development about hot topics in manga. Uh, we give resource recommendations, book list recommendations, and that can all be found for free and attended for free at mangainlibraries.com. Very interesting. Okay, I love that. Um, And so you're just finding experts like from around the world or, you know, people that will come and talk about it? Right now, my experts have been from the United States and Canada, and it ranges from public librarians, library workers, professors, uh, publishers, YouTubers, Hmm. podcasters, just really anybody who content creators, translators. It's just a whole amazing community. And we actually, our attendance has been from people all over the world. We've had people from Australia and New Zealand and Romania and Switzerland and Ireland and that, that come to the live chats. And it's so cool. My favorite thing to do at the beginning of a webinar is like, tell us where you're from. And everybody (laughs) pops it in. It's like the whole world is here and we're going to learn and share together. It's going to be so cool. Very neat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then Jillian, I know too that um, I, I saw you um, as one of the authors with the Knowledge Quest website. 
So tell us a little bit about, do you have like a main kind of theme of things that you write about or? So for Knowledge Quest, a lot of the things that I wrote for the blog had to do with the committees that I was serving on. So when I was serving as the chair for the School Library Month Committee, I was responsible for sharing some content around that. Okay. And when I was chair for the ASL uh, conference committee, I also had to share some content for that. But I only have two publications in Knowledge Quest. Okay. Uh, the one for the Zine Project. And actually, I just submitted yesterday an article for the upcoming issue in April. It's about manga and book challenges. Oh, okay. So, Very interesting. That, okay. that will be a good one to read. Hopefully. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And if not, they can reach out to you. Yes, <laughs> for more of course. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you've, you've got just, so really it sounds like a lot of, I mean, you do a lot of reading, a lot of watching and learning, um, a lot of connecting with people. And that's something, you know, that that all of us, you know, need to be doing as a way just to, to build ourselves, you know, on a professional level. Um, so for our audience that wants to connect with you, um, where will they find you online? I only have one social media okay. and it's Twitter <laughs> right. and you can find me at JR librarian, not very, you know, JR for Julian Riddis librarian. Cause that's what I do. So <laughs> easy to find. <laughs> and then we will link out to, to your website. And I will also put a, a link to the, 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 um, the blog, um, the knowledge Quest blog. So we can share that out with people too. And they can look for you for the different writings that you've done. So so Jillian, thanks so much for your time. It's been fun talking to you. I just wish you the very best as you're continuing um, staying busy and making an impact in our profession. <laughs> you know, we, we appreciate that. And, but remembering too, that it's, you're going to work on balance. Balance. <laughs> yes. That's my year. <laughs> and thank you so much for uh, having this conversation with me and for doing this podcast just in general for supporting the community. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You have a good day. Bye-bye. Me too.